Welcome to Shoujo and Tell, where we discuss shoujo manga and tell who's hot and who's not, talk about themes, and just generally geek out. Today, July 10th, 2022, we'll be shoujo and telling about the series Showbits by Clamp, which is actually a seinen series and not a shoujo or jose series. I'm your host, Ash McDonald, and I'm joined by my handsome husband and journey through all of Clamp buddy, Asher Softman. Hello, Asher. Hello, Ashley. You changed it. Since when was I your handsome husband on this intro thing? That was new. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was new. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I give you compliments. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? How dare I? Asher, are we going to survive this journey through all of Clamp? Weirdly enough, like, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and at the same time, the journey on the way to get there is increasingly rocky. <laughs> Is paved with X. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just 18 X volumes. 18 X volumes. And then, like, okay, Holic is 23 volumes, and Subasa Reservoir Chronicles is 32 volumes. 31 volumes. 31 volumes. Yeah. It's going to be chill. Chill. Yeah, that's the word. I feel like we we have overcome a hurdle with showbiz here, but that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we still have to talk about Chobits. Maybe after we get through Chobits, it'll, okay. it'll... <laughs> we'll see if we survive this episode. It's true. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hating on Chobits, guys. This was extremely formative for me. Yeah, we're 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 gonna get into it. I will say that our next clamp recording probably will be X between me and Asher, just because that's the last like really the last really big one before we get to like we have to do a, a bunch of the smaller ones. Sure. But but X is the last like really iconic one before we get to the Holic and the Subasa. So yay. We don't really want to do it because it's not complete, but like we're like, we can't it has to be done. Yeah, like, we can't we're giving in. We can't go to Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicle without at least like touching X. Yeah. So so we're gonna bite that bullet and we're just gonna do it. I will say also that, you know, um we I that's that's just clamp stuff. We we're gonna do other things. You know, I'm still gonna have other guests come on and talk about other stuff. And um, and if you want more, if like I don't think we satisfy people's clamp needs. So if you need those, go listen to Clampcast with Lucy and Robin. Uh, they're legit doing every clamp series like much more thoroughly than we are, <laughs> and in chronological order. And they're in the middle of Cardcaptor Sakura right now. Okay, so now we're gonna get into show bits. Is we're gonna do all all of showbiz, all eight volumes. So this this beginning section will be spoiler free. We'll try to just give an overview, general thoughts about it before we dive into all the spoilers. So you know, if you haven't read showbiz before, stick around, see what we think a little bit here, probably like ten minutes, and then I'll give a spoiler warning. Right now, I'm gonna give a content warning, which I don't normally do because I don't normally have to. But this series is. For adults only, and this podcast episode is definitely going to end up for adults only. I don't think, like, we're definitely going to be talking about lots of sexual stuff and lots of morally questionable relationships, so I will be marking this episode explicit. I think that's only going to, it's going to be, like, the second episode out of almost 100 at this point (laughs) that's marked explicit, so you've been warned. You have been warned. All right. So, so, Asher, what is Chovitz about? (laughs) Chobits is the story of Hideki Motosua, 
who is a 19-year-old uh, Ronin. He hasn't gotten into college yet. He's working this dead-end job at Club Pleasure. His parents were like, no, you got to get your act together, and then like didn't give him any help getting his act together. No. Um, and he finds what is called a Persicom in the trash. A Persicom is a, a humanoid computer. It's it does everything your PC does. Persicom actually is just the term for PC in Japan. Here it's taken to a new level where like all the PCs that are Persicoms look like people and are virtually indistinguishable from people except for their um the sh- they have like shells over their ears where data ports are kept and like you know they kind of act like robots but robots who are programmed to be very very pleasant you know they yeah. they're here to serve you so the series is to to not get into spoilers the series don't, don't spoil too much <laughs> not, i'm trying not to um i just had to like get into the world building or else it doesn't make any sense like what's a persagon yeah the series is about Hideki learning about this Persicom, who he names Chi, um, and who doesn't remember where she came from. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't. She, she initially doesn't have she, an OS. Yeah, she doesn't even speak. Very weird that she doesn't have an OS. But Hideki doesn't know anything about computers, so he doesn't really like understand how weird he everything about her is until he starts like reaching out for for help. Yeah, and the series. So it is about that. It's about this like world where computers look like people and what that does to society and to individuals. And it's also generally about, um, because this is Clamp, taboo loves. Mm-hmm. How's that for a summary? Yeah, I'll accept. I also think that it is important to note because this series deals so much with like a mix of future and past technology that it originally ran from 2000 to 2002 in Japan and came out in America in 2003 to 2005. So yeah, when did you first read this, Asher? I'm fairly sure I read it, or at least I read the first one around when it came out in America. Because I think what happened was I started with clamp i started kind of with manga with card captor sakura and with magic knight ray earth and in that section of the bookstore suddenly there's this new book chobits yeah <laughs> from the people who brought you card captor sakura isn't that what chobits. it says like on the thing oh, does it? Uh, you have it i have it it does not say that i was like i don't think they can get away with that <laughs> um i definitely didn't pick up on the fact that like it was meant for it, not me, right? <laughs> yeah, I think this was before they shrink wrapped really inappropriate volumes too. So I don't think like when you went to Barnes and Noble, it was all like we've shrink wrapped this, so children can't just pick it up and and look through it, right? So I I I also definitely read it when it initially came out in America and was like, yeah, a new cool clamp thing. Let's go. Um, but we should note that that means that when it initially started coming out in America, Asher and I were in eighth grade, <laughs> which is too young, too, too young. Well, like, this. you know, 
people come into maturity and have different experiences at different ages, but I definitely didn't understand. Like, yeah, I didn't understand really what was going on. Like, I didn't understand why certain things should have been shocking to me. And like, this is the spoiler free section, but it's not the like lewd free section, right? No, yeah, no, you can be lewd. And like... (laughs) I didn't really register that I was just looking at her boobs. Like, <laughs> mm. I didn't yeah. register. They're just, they're just out. I didn't, She's got titties and everything. Yeah, like, there's this very, like, deeply, as an adult, deeply uncomfortable scene where Hideki literally turns Chi on, like, you know, powering on a computer, but her power button is in her crotch, and, like, the implication is that it's, like, you got to go, like, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Did not really, like, catch that as a child or as, right. as, a, as a middle schooler, early high yeah. schooler. I would say one of the first notes I wrote here uh, was that there was a joke, she makes a good laptop, too, if you know what I mean. I was like, I don't think as a 13-year-old I did know what you meant. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> Um, I don't think I got it. The other thing that, I mean, uh, this is common for me, but the other thing that complicates my early experience with this is I probably didn't read this in order uh, Mm. initially. Mm. I have very strong memories of like the first and the eighth, maybe the seventh and eighth volumes. (laughs) And uh, you're like, who needs them middle bits? (laughs) That's that's how I roll. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I... So we read the old Tokyo Pop editions because we have them and we're not made of money. So I know that Kodansha has released fancier 20th editions, but no, we didn't do that. So I I have had that since, you know, 2003. Like those copies are super old. And I was the one... I had all of it, you know, like I definitely had all of it since then. And yeah, we actually asked my high school friend like the other weekend. I was like, so did you read this? And he was like, oh, God, I did. We should not have read it. Like like, we were not prepared for that. And he's like, I don't know if it was you that got me into it or another friend. I was like, "Eh, it was probably me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, boy. So that's fun. Um, So. Do you do you like the series after, you know, 20 years later? <laughs> oh man. I think I mean, the basic answer is yes. Um okay. the way I like it has definitely changed after 20 years. Okay. Um and the things and I, I understand why things should have been shocking now. And like, I, I remember enough of them to not be shocked, but I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable with so many of them. But uh, now what I'm into is thinking about just how insane this world is, which in, in ways that the manga doesn't actually get into, like it yeah. presents us with a scenario, like this is what this is like when you have a, computer that walks and talks uh and has some level of personality and independence and, and you put the on switch in the vagina for some reason <laughs> I, I actually don't i don't care that much about no but that's the question it presents <laughs> yeah but i don't care that much about it <laughs> okay, i'm sure much more fascinated with like just like what everyday life is like here and how insane cybercrime must be 
and and yes. regular crime <laughs> like just just what is this society <laughs> wild well it's powered by love so it's God. fine <laughs> sure yeah no it's powered by a toy maker it's powered yeah. by a toy maker's vision of what a computer could be yeah i guess we should say i i mean I guess it's a bit of a spoiler, but I, I feel like it's important to note that in the way that all clamp things are like loosely tied together to each other, this is explicitly in the same universe as Angelic Lair. Yes. So yeah. How do do I like it? This is a hard question. I got the feeling that you didn't. <laughs> I yeah, I just feel bad saying that, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think that I can say that I liked this. Not even from like it deals with lewd things that I have no real interest in. The Catholicism kicks in. It's too much, <laughs> you know. But even from like a storytelling perspective, I just think it's really uneven and like why. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm vastly, vastly more interested in the world building that they didn't even do, you know? <laughs> right? Like, Asher and I have already had several conversations about this manga, but and it's, it's like, this is fascinating, but also, like, infuriating in the way that it's presented in the manga. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I guess I, I try to give it some forgiveness on the technology front because it's 20 years old, and I'm like, I don't remember... You know, I was 13. Like, I don't I don't remember what it was like back then. <laughs> it's too too much. The internet was just a thing. There was no social media. There was no, was it even Google? Like, <laughs> there wasn't YouTube. There was nothing, you know? So I'm like, fine, no, fine. There was YouTube. I don't think so. Really? There, there was definitely Yahoo. I don't know about Google. YouTube didn't come out, wasn't, didn't come live until 2005. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Dang. That's why I'm like, it really was like really different. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was really different. And people's aware, like uh, even like people that don't like technology, their awareness of technology is different now than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I, I try to give it some level of forgiveness, but that's that those are the aspects that like make me mad the most now because like I work I'm not techie, but I work in tech. So like, right. <laughs> it's just really annoying to read. And I think that was the same thing for my high school friend that we were talking to is like, he's an IT person now. And he's just like, no, <laughs> like, absolutely not. So from that aspect, it's really annoying. And I, I just, yeah, I don't think I can in good faith be like, people should go read Chobits. Like, no, don't. I think people who read Chobits should go back and read it as adults. Sure. I, I don't, I wouldn't like recommend it as a new property to somebody looking for a good manga. Like, no, <laughs> the, the experience of reading Chobits is just sort of, like you said, it's uneven. And I think it's hard to find, we're also not the target audience, right? Um, maybe it's True. different. It is a seinen series. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it would be different if you can really empathize with Hideki can you okay <laughs> I think there was a time when I could have empathized with Hideki okay you know when I was a loser schmuck <laughs> who may or may yeah. not have been 19 um 
No, ni- when I was 19, I was fine. It was after I got out of college. Where <laughs> yeah, I was, it was like, it was shock. when you were like 23 years old. Right, away. right. So, like, maybe, but like, it, it wasn't written for me. And so it's hard to find like a character to get attached to, which, which is a yeah. big part of a reading experience for me. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. have to be the main character, but I, there's, I, I want to be invested in somebody. Yeah. That, yeah, that's definitely a big problem for me, too, is that I'm like, I don't <laughs> I don't feel it with any of these characters. I I also am just like, how many childhoods were ruined by Trobits, you know? <laughs> what do you mean? How many how many like even in we're always singing you're the only one for me, like the joke song. Right. Uh. And it's like. It lists Yuna, Zelda, and she. And I'm like, no. And the first, <laughs> the first like, line of the song is about Persicons. And the first line of, yeah. And I'm just like, I think that because we all were like, Clamp is so cool back then, but we were all too young to read some of these series. I think I'm like, this was very formative for us. And I think in a bad way. <laughs> I don't want to make that blanket assumption for people. I think... Again, I don't have like as many hangups about sexuality in media as you do. It's true. Um, Catholicism, guys, is really strong. Yeah. <laughs> and I also like I'm leery about arguments about like media shapes people when people shape media. I <laughs> I think that anyone who read Chobits is going to get something different out of it and going to take different things away from it. Even young people, like I'm, I'm even hesitating to say that like young people shouldn't read this, right? Like, okay, nobody under the age of thirteen should read this. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. Um, it's certainly not written for them. No. Uh, but like when I was under the age of thirteen, I read um, what's it called? So, uh, Game of Thrones, the first book of A Song of Ice and Fire, and uh, you know, like I still came out okay. So. Um, I think that, yes, when, when you say like, how many childhoods did this ruin? I'm more like this choppy manga has an, inc- had an incredible impact on a bunch of nerds and the on way culture, we think yeah. about, well, I don't know, probably the way we think about computers <laughs> and yeah, right. um, the way we think about the importance maybe of different kinds of intimacy. Sure. All right. You're you always the more sympathetic one here. <laughs> it's my job. It's your job. It's true. All right. Well, I guess we should get into it. As I said, um, Chobis Manga is available in English from Kodansha right now, um, both physically and digitally. I think the physical releases are really like fancy hardcovers. So they're kind of expensive. They're like 20 or 25 dollars a volume but you can get it digitally for a more reasonable like 10 dollars volume again we read the tokyo pop editions which is rough like the lettering changes every two volumes and i think it gets better by the end the first volume i was like i can't take this (laughs) (laughs) like it does the thing in american comics where like every other word is bolded and I think they weren't keeping the initial, the original Japanese sound effects in the background. They were just like replacing them and, and, you know, just all around it's rough. So I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm sure that Kodansha's is better 
And I'm sure some of our frustrations will be born from a poor localization from 20 years ago. Okay. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm going to give that caveat now. Um, the anime is also appears to be available on Crunchyroll. I have either, I haven't watched the anime. Have you? No. Okay. So we, we, I don't know how faithful or whatever the anime is, but if anime is more your jam, that I, is available on Crunchyroll. I glanced briefly. Apparently, like the anime does add some stuff of like just like Chi being cute or fan service or something. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just what it needs. So, <laughs> so I don't know if anything significant changed story wise. My my impression was that it was like pretty faithful. Okay, at least. Yeah, like all the stills I found from it are, you know, also yeah. scenes that were iconic in the manga. So. Yeah, that's why I'm like I'm pretty sure you're you're gonna get the same thing, you know, basically. Yeah. But like I bet it fleshes out some of the more minor characters. Yeah, they're not just all like here's a moral dilemma. Let's think about it instead yeah. of characters. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe <laughs> still that, but like with more, but more stuff. fun. I don't know. All right. Well, here's the spoiler warning. We are definitely gonna spoil all of the things. Oh yes. So we are going to ruin your ruined childhood. So. Yeah, so if, if you don't want that, like, stop here. Do or do not come back later. I don't control you. <laughs> so here we go. All right, so we're going to stru- structure, we're going to try to structure this discussion roughly in the order of the relationships slash moral quandaries that we are presented with, like, in order. I'm sure that we will have to jump ahead or back at different, to discuss different points, but. We're gonna we're gonna try. We I wrote them all down in order with plenty of things to talk about. So let's see how this goes. So the first one, which to my mind is like I'm like this is choppy storytelling 101, <laughs> is Shimbo and Miss Shimizu. So Shimbo is Hideki's friend. They go to cram school together, and Miss Shimizu is their teacher. Admittedly, you know. Hideki and Shimbo are at least 19 because they well, I don't know I assume Shimbo is, is 19 too or 20 or something and Miss Shimizu is not portrayed to be you know like super old but but Shimbo and Miss Shimizu end up being a romantic couple so yes there's, I think there's there's two layers of taboo relationship to this story the first one is that Miss Shimizu is actually married, but she is married to a man who has fallen in love with their purse com. Uh, you know, like they, they bought a purse com to be like, this will help us be, give us more free time to be together and a family and all that jazz. Um, but her husband has in fact just been like, no, I love the purse com. And then obviously the other layer is that Miss Shimizu is Shimbo's teacher and there's an age gap and like a power dynamic problem here. Right. Um, so Asher, where would you like to begin here? <laughs> With Shimbo and Miss Shimizu? Yeah. Well, I think you should bring up what you... Th- okay, so like the, 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 the way that Hideki becomes aware of this whole like, this whole thing, this whole thing between Shimbo and Miss Shimizu is because Miss Shimizu uh, stays over at his place one night. Also problematic. Super <laughs> problematic. 
your teacher should not just come knocking at your door and ask to stay and bring you beer, especially because he's underage for drinking in Japan. Yeah, the age is 20. Yes, and he's 19. But it's also, you know, he re- he picks up that, like, she doesn't have a place to stay. And I think you should bring up what you thought about that. Oh, well, yeah. And then, I mean, once he starts to hear the story from Shimbo himself and, like, He's like, Miss Shimizu had gone home one day, like, after work, and her husband had, like, put the chain on their lock. So, you know, like, she unlocked the door, but then the chain got in the way. And she just, like, didn't knock on the door to, like, get his attention. She was just like, he has forgotten that, like, I even exist yeah. and I come home. But for me, I was like, oh, he, like, sexiled her. Like, he is banging that first guy right, right Which I did not assume. I actually thought it was much more heartbreaking thinking, like, oh, he just, like, he's so No, taken. I like where they, yeah. yeah, took it. Like, I think that's better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have been banging his persicom at that moment. I think moment, both things like, were true. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, like... This is, I guess, probably the least problematic ship that comes up in. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I guess there's like. No, I agree with you. Well, there's Miss Hibia and. No. I agree with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Ichijo? No, nobody should love Ichijo. Like, that's. Not- <laughs> That man is crazy. <laughs> We're going to get there. <laughs> the things she said about Ichiro were just so, like, who? I, have you met your husband? Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. So these, these two are the least problematic because they are both adults consenting. They're coming from, like, you know, not the best circumstances. Like, Shimbo's in cram school, which sort of implies, like, you know, he's he's trying because he's not happy where he is, right? He's trying to get into college. And Miss Shimizu is in her unhappy marriage. She's in a job she doesn't want because she wanted to be an elementary school teacher. But her husband pressured her into taking this other job. So, um, And these two are finding comfort in one another and finding ways to grow and be better. Um, and, you know, so she's married. Shrug. So so she's his teacher. Not anymore, she no. ain't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The the part where she's married and like having a relationship with him, I'm like, that that's truly the least problematic part of this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also like cram school isn't the same as like going to college or high school. Yeah. Or- like I I don't think the grades you get in cram school matter. It's like the cram school prepares you for tests. So it's not even like she actually has that much power over his future as a teacher and it's like a private institution more so yeah yeah so like there is still you know she is still his teacher there is still that but it's not so icky as most teacher-student relationships portrayed in media or that exist not as icky as you can find in clamp actually oh yeah no I, i i found it more problematic that he like whisked her away yeah. to a vacation and wouldn't let her leave until she agreed to to be with him. But I mean, it's also like that's how he portrays it. It's unclear like, you know, is she playing along? Is like he can't yeah, actually yeah. keep her there. 
the I think my assumption is that she has money and power and he does not. So like whatever. <laughs> I don't mean so like whatever, but I, I, the the implication is they are both you know. Yeah, this is this adults. is one of the like localization issues I think though is that oh, like yeah. Tokyo Pop translated it initially as we're eloping but then later he's like i'm just trying to get her to say yes to like getting a divorce and then marrying me and i'm like that's not what eloping means yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> that part was confusing yeah and like some of it might be shimbo just like skipping steps in his head um, <laughs> maybe but yeah. eh, shrug it's it is it is awkward and hard to like parse so yeah I mean, my thoughts about this generally is like, okay, this is our intro to the problematic relationships that Clamp loves exploring. Um, okay. This is our but intro think, in this series, to be clear. Yeah, but I think the most interesting moral quandary that this should have brought up and was lightly touched on, but like with Mishimizu's backstory, it's like, yeah, look at this. A human fell in love with his persicom and then ignored his human wife Mm -hmm. and that is bad Mm -hmm. and like we have gotten conversations up to now between like hideki and yumi yumi is his co-worker at club pleasure um who is a high schooler yeah we should really that's never touched on like this high schooler is working at a place called club pleasure yeah let's just put that out there let's just put that out there (laughs) that's the thing so like you know, Hideki and Yumi are like, yeah, it's really weird that everybody like just has Persicoms now and we don't have these human to human interactions. Like, isn't that sad? And I'm like, yes, it is. And like, it's nice that Shimbo and Miss Shimizu get together and they seem like Shimbo has relinquished his Persicom to Hideki by this point. So like, does he even have a Persicom after that? I don't even know. Like he sends emails to Minoru sometimes. I guess he's they're doing something, but like, They're definitely like, we have reconnected on a human level. And I'm like, that's great. But that's not actually, like, the story doesn't care. (laughs) You know? Definitely not in that instance, yeah. I don't think it ever cares again. I think it comes up again with Yumi. It comes up again with Yumi and Ueda. I still don't think that that's like... Like that, that, that issue of like, but if we all, if we all just loved Persicom's like society would absolutely collapse because what <laughs> you have to make babies like, you know, like, it's yeah, just like- it, it doesn't, doesn't really explore the implicate. Well, I think, I guess the assumption maybe <laughs> is that not everybody falls in love with their Persicom's, especially um, as we find out later, like Persicoms probably don't have very long life expectancies. How, how, what's the life expectancy of your computer? Like five years tops, unless you have a really nice like Mac. Um, then it's like eight years yeah, or 10 years. Yeah. And it's like, are you going to have like a, the, the kind of like, are you going to make the marriage kind of commitment to a computer that you're going to have for four years (laughs) um so i think there may be some of that just generally in society but we're not seeing what you know the average person does yeah we are only getting the extreme cases yeah yeah extreme right 
And like over and over, people tell Hideki, like, don't fall in love with your Persicon. So like, I know. And I was like, like, as soon as you tell somebody to not fall in love with the thing, they're going to fall in love with the thing. That's like, that's storytelling 101. Sure. (laughs) But yeah. It's also like psychology 101. Yeah. Um, But it's also, that means like, it's a problem that people are aware of and it's looked down on. I think probably what happens is everybody ends up with like infatuations and crushes and stuff on Persicoms and then maybe like grows out of it. Especially with like most Persicoms are not so intelligent that you can mix them up with people. Yeah. We also have the extreme end of Persicoms. Yeah. <laughs> the most the most human of Persicoms yeah. that we could find. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to make a little bridge before we get to Ueda with Minoru and Yuzuki here. Right. So Minoru is a 12-year-old prodigy genius boy who knows everything about everything. Especially uh, no, Persicoms. Mostly Persicoms. I was like, hmm. <laughs> we don't know what he knows about other stuff. Whatever. He only has to know about Persicoms. And Yuzuki is one of his many Persicoms, but the one that he favors because he has... His sister died um, very suddenly, and he has uploaded all of the memories uh, that he has of his sister into Yuzuki so that she would behave, like learn to behave like his sister. Yuzuki is also a more advanced Persicom than his other Persicoms. Like he cussed, I, I guess the implication is he built all his Persicoms. Yeah. Um, but she in particular is like more advanced and also really like meticulously maintained. Yeah. He like updates her like every day, apparently. Updates her every day, backs her up every day, probably like hardware upgrades, software upgrades. Who knows? Defragging. Yeah. Remember defragging? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, that was still a thing in 2000. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Defrags are everything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sounds dirty. Okay. No, they're does, not like it that. It does. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, Minoru being so young, he does not realize initially that actually trying to make a computer pretend to be his sister is going to suck. <laughs> uh, but he quickly learns that and is like, oh, this sucks. But Yuzuki, like, her AI is smart enough to be like, oh, no, I'm not, like, my, I keep trying, I keep imitating his sister better and better, but he doesn't smile the way he used to with her. So, like, I'm failing to be his sister. And eventually he's like, I don't want you to be like that, like, I like you for you and and all that good jazz. Right, right. So he stops uploading um, his memories of his sister into Yuzuki and I guess allows her to develop as she would. So Yuzuki has a self-learning program, which according to Chobits is different from artificial intelligence, which supposedly Chi has, but whatever those are not different (laughs) (laughs) maybe they didn't know that in 2000 they didn't know that in 2000 okay yeah so i don't know it's just my my thing is that like his sister or or yuzuki is always drawn to look so sad about 
failing to be his sister. And I'm just like, I mean, this is just so much artistic liberty is being taken with these, with how artificial intelligence <laughs> does or does not work. Um, I actually think the most infuriating thing about this this part of the story for me and like its moral implications are that I'm like, so Minoru's sister died very suddenly. Like he's just like, nobody saw this coming. She like rapidly deteriorated over a series of days for mysterious unknown illness things, right? And then she died. And so I'm like, oh, that should be a really formative thing for him. Like we just discussed how Persicoms have a negligible lifespan compared to most humans however Minoru had this very formative experience where he's like well well my sister was super young and she died so like what's the difference right but that is never brought up (laughs) you gotta write your fan fiction baby oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and so like that's that's the thing that bothers me about this story (laughs) that's fair yeah, I don't really have any other like really deep thoughts about this one. I'm like, it exists. Yeah, it exists. I don't. <laughs> so Minoru supposedly built Yuzuki to look like his sister. I don't think she. Looks I didn't like see her. it. No. Yeah. yeah. Even when they did the side by side. Oh yeah, no. Like she doesn't even have like the same body type. Like I felt like she was like skinnier, and I was like, what I don't, are you doing? I don't think she was skinnier than Kaede. Oh yeah, if you want that link. Kaede was a character in Angelic Lair that Clamp just decided to kill off in Chobits. Oh, yeah. Oh, you forgot? <gasps> nah, she was no, one of I the- looked at her and I was like, okay, she's definitely in a different Clamp. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she uh, uh, was the deus of Blanche. Um, mm. She was one of the uh, top Kanto uh, mm. duelists, I guess. And Clamp was like, nah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's that connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, okay, I guess also just to elaborate on why the artificial intelligence thing bothers me <laughs> is that, again, I am not a programmer. I have I work in tech and I have read many like articles and books about how artificial intelligence does its thing, right? So like the thing where they're like, oh, well, she has a program that like helps her learn things versus artificial intelligence. I'm like, but that's... Artificial intelligence is you, like, it's artificial because they are learning things by getting various inputs and then learning what it, what the best inputs are. And then that's how, like, computers learn to beat you at chess and everything, right? Like, because they can study every move ever and just, like, download that into them, right? And, like, know what to do in any situation. Or, like, with algorithms, but like, so, so what, what bothers me also is that they never portray how it's actually really easy to mess up something that has artificial intelligence because you can just give it garbage inputs. Like, that's why YouTube algorithms, it's like if you just watch far right videos all the time, it's like, well, far right videos are what pleases you. So I'm just going to feed you more of that crap. Or like with uh, Google, like, um, ch- like chat uh artificial chat bots like that's how it's so easy to get them to be like racist assholes eventually because <laughs> if you just feed them garbage then they're gonna spit out the same garbage and like sure you can do things to prevent that programmatically but like 
humans are very bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just like, I no. <laughs> Whatever. We're gonna go to the most problematic man now. Ueda. <laughs> well, is he more or less problematic than Ichiro? That's true. Ichiro is the most problematic man. We're gonna go to the second most problematic <laughs> man. Ueda. <laughs> Oh, man. And his two Yumi's. All right. So Ueda is the owner of a bakery. He seems like a very sweet, gentle, nice man. He is. He is He is things. a very sweet, gentle, nice <laughs> Yeah. Okay, fine. He is a very sweet, gentle, nice man. He was Hideki's initially worked at the bakery before he was like, I have to go to grammar school in the day. And now I work at Club Pleasure at in like in the evening. It, so Ueda married his first come. Yep. He did that. He sure did. <laughs> um, um, it wasn't legal. Um, he, no. or It wasn't like sanctioned by the government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was allowed to do it, but like it wasn't recognized and like he had to do it in – I don't think he did it in his backyard, but it's that kind of deal, right? Okay, but again, that bothers me because they implied that he was able to leave all of his, like, assets to her. So I'm like, oh, I mean, doesn't that effectively mean that the government sanctioned it? But whatever, again, go on. <laughs> I don't know, man. So he married his Persicom, who was named Yumi. He named her Yumi. And uh, anything else to say about that? <laughs> People thought it was weird. I kind of... He didn't have a lot of support for it, but he didn't have a lot of people to let down either. Um, so he just kind of did what he wanted. And she was an older model. So she started to fail. Her memory started to fail. And um, that affected like everything. It was like, it was actually a really succinct description of what dementia is like for humans too. Um, right? Yeah. Oh no, I work with this all the time. This is actually as problematic as this is. I think the Yumi like the Persicom Yumi mm -hmm. has given me the most to think about uh, in terms of like what the actual reality of living with Persicoms is like. Yeah. So they, they were only married for like, I don't know, less than a year before she started like yeah. breaking down. So as moving as the losing her memory is and like how it, like the way that it replicates human memory is also, I'm just like, but that doesn't make <laughs> like from a computer perspective like they keep being like oh throughout the series you know they're like i don't want the persicoms to lose their memories of me and i'm like okay but what how like when you talk about your computer memory it's just like a compository of files and even if we take it to a thing that's like the youtube algorithm remembers you like it remembers what you like it's just keeping a repository of videos that you've you've watched before and being like especially if you've rewatched them or like liked it or whatever like giving it some other input than just clicking on it it's like okay so then it knows what other people who have watched that also like and it's going to recommend you stuff like that it's not like some personal file of you right and i'm just like are there computers? Do they remember every little thing that you've done? Where does that memory space come from? Is there a cloud? Like how is there a are there just warehouses upon warehouses keeping these memories of you? Probably every oh my god! <laughs> if there were if they remembered every little thing about you, 
it would be so insufferable. Seriously. Just, I don't think they do. How do they choose what I don't know. to remember? There must be some super crazy advanced selector programming thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah. I have no idea. Clamp didn't think about this. Clamp also, we are not programmers. Clamp was not, a, none of them are programmers. <laughs> no, yeah. Like I'm just doing this based on, again, just like things that I've picked up over the year, like 10 years right. of working in tech. And so I'm just like, I don't like understand. <laughs> it doesn't. I also think for all the forward technology that they try to present in this, it's based on like even older technology than what was available in 2000, I think. Like, like, um, sure. They talked about the BBS, the, the bulletin board system. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what a I actually only happened to learn that that was a real thing because I've been listening to a podcast called Hot Money, which is from the Financial Times, and it's about who owns porn and how that happened. And they talked about how apparently porn is very important to the advent of uh, video <laughs> chats because before they were like, yeah, we were just like having hot talk on bulletin board systems wow. in the 80s. Oh, it's like you never really... Okay, I remember BBSs, but I was online no. earlier than you. Yeah. Yeah. Like by the time I read Chobits, I think I had the internet, but like just barely. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, I don't... <laughs> Like, you can't be like, we have Persicoms, but we still run on BBS. Like, no, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> it's just so annoying. <laughs> so I guess the other thing that he has to hang up about is that she, like, saves him. Yeah. So um, he keeps her throughout her decline. He doesn't abandon her. They're still married. He he goes with he, – he takes her everywhere because he can't leave her alone, which is also a thing that happens with human dementia. And they're walking along and a truck comes and she pushes him out of the way of the truck and she gets hit and just like is kaput. And he had this whole quandary before being like, you know, people were like, just wipe her memory and like upgrade her hardware and she'll be fine. He was like, he didn't want to do that. Right. And then, of course, he gets this much worse fate in a way. <laughs> right. Like, either way, she didn't really remember him. Yeah. Yeah. And either way, he has to remember her. Yes. And, like, that's that's the real pain here. Like, they're like, oh, wiping their memory doesn't do anything because we have to live with how they endured horrors. And it's like, yeah, because you're a human. Yep. <laughs> it's different. Anyway, so Ueda has that. Well, that's, that's Persicom Yumi. But then <laughs> we already mentioned human Yumi. Human Yumi used to work as well, after Hideki. Right. <laughs> before she went to work with Hideki at Club Pleasure, she worked at the bakery with Hueda, and then they fell in love with each other. And so, I didn't like this turn either. Of course so not. Yumi, <laughs> no, not, not that, but like, I don't like, I don't like how we were led to believe that Yumi had one problem and then it ended up being a different problem. Mm. So, like, Yumi has all these conversations with Hideki about how she, like, doesn't like Persicoms. And you're like, yeah, because Persicoms aren't, like, are taking people away from quality human time and all that. And that's bad. But then it turns out that it's, it's like, she's just like, well, Ueda married a Persicom. And now he says he loves me. But how could he possibly, how could he possibly love me? 
after he married a perfect being in a Persicom. Like, mm. I don't, I'm not as cute. I'm not, I'm not as intelligent. Like, I'm not as perfect as him, right? Like, I can't please him. I can't give him everything that he ever wants, like a Persicom can. And I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> right. Ugh. Ugh. And I mean, uh, you know, what I was obliquely referring to was the fact that um, Ueda is a 39-year-old man. Yes. And I she's mean, that's 17. <laughs> that's also bad. He's literally old enough to be her father. Yeah. Yeah, that is also bad. And that's like sort of, you know, he brings that up. Yeah, he's at, not unaware. As being a reason that like she shouldn't be into him. Yeah. But then he does creepy things like make her custom made outfits. Like what? Yeah. Like custom made outfits. M-A-I-D. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very gothic Lolita. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You can see her bloomers. Uh, yeah. Yumi is noted to have, to be well endowed. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, it looks obscene on Chi when she accidentally puts that on because it's just too big, so it's hanging off her boobs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's weird. And I'm sure it's supposed to be, it's supposed to make us uncomfortable. Is it? I do think so. I don't think Clamp would be so obsessed with this particular kind of relationship if it wasn't like I think they like that like ooh like uh feeling and they're like, "Well, why isn't this love? Why can't you say this is love?" They love each other. Um why is it wrong? Explain. He's a perfectly nice man, <laughs> says Clamp. I think I think if he hadn't made the maid outfit, I would have like super given him a pass. I think because of the inclusion of that, I do not give him a pass. <laughs> Fair enough. I also, I mean, this brings up one of my, one of the points that I have increasingly been struggling with is that I'm like, Clamp are such provocateurs. And I, I just, I don't know if it's to a good end, you know? <laughs> like, I think in some... I don't understand. Yeah. I think in some ways it has been, right? Like, we got some, like, awesome queer representation yeah, from earlier works of theirs. And maybe later. I don't really super... Fine Kuragane, I think. Fine... Yeah, I know they are. <laughs> There's Domiki, too. Eh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I actually don't remember if Fai and Kurogane are as explicit as like like explicitly a couple as Toya and Yukito no yeah I don't think so and then you know there was you know earlier stuff that was good and queer too or well queer anyway (laughs) I just but like what what useful questions are being asked here like when I think of a good provocateur I actually do think of Lil Nas X and like how he with uh, Old Town Road was just like, yeah, billboard, go figure out what genre it is. And then it sparked this whole conversation about race and how we perceive genres. And I was like, that's awesome. Right. Like, that's so good. What's what's Clamp doing here? Like sometimes age gap romances can be true love. And so we should rethink that. Like, no, we shouldn't. It's okay for people to marry Hatsune Miku? Like, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I think what they want is for us to unpack those things. Um, Not necessarily like, you know, 
be like, yeah, Rika should marry Mr. Tarada. That's great and healthy and fine and good. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, the act of asking the question and answering it is a good thought experiment um, because it helps us solidify our our principles um, Mm. and what's our values, what's important to us. This feels very big debate team debate sure. for the sake of debate. And like those people are terrible. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm realizing as I say this, like I don't actually know if that's what Clamp is doing. I don't – I haven't read like lots and lots of Clamp interviews. Like I don't know what their philosophy is um, and why they keep asking this question in their manga. But mm-hmm. I know that this is what I would get out of it in not – myself posing the question but in my having to confront this um and think like okay no i know lots of different kinds of relationships have you know been okay or have been accepted or not accepted over the course of human history and different human cultures so i should think about this and see like you know challenge my own preconceptions to figure out what is it that i am protecting what do i think what do I value in in this relationship? What do I think is good? What do I have trouble with and why? Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll allow it. As we move on to most problematic man and his seemingly actually very nice wife. So question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Ain't that always how it goes? Uh, it's not always Ichi- how it goes. <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about Ichiro and Hibiya. So Ichiro is his first name. He's, he's Ichiro Mihara, was a main character in Angelic Lair, and he's dead in Chobits, but he's very <laughs> important. Good for him. Um, Chitose Hibia, um, so Hibia is her last name, Chitose is her first name, is his widow and Hideki's landlady, and she's mom. <laughs> yeah, just keep playing it on. And the the sort of the... What would you call her? Like the, not the narrator, but the one who watches over everything unfolding. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a meta narrative going on here where she's writing a series of ostensibly children's books where there's like metaphorical or like, you know, represented as a cute little simple bunny person, chi and like little stick figure people, people. And it's called The City With No People. And it's from the perspective of Chi, basically. Um, Thinking about how she's like, oh, this city feels so lonely. There's no people. All the people are with their persicoms. But, like, I do not have the person just for me slash my soulmate, you know, basically. (laughs) Who ends up being Hideki. But we're going to get there. We're not quite there yet. We're not there yet. Um, So... Despite Hideki and Chi being the main characters, we're not going to get to them until almost the end. Yeah. Well, they come after this. We're halfway there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't know too much about the actual relationship between Ichiro and Chitose. No. They met through work. They both worked on Angelic Lair and they both worked on uh, Persicoms. They got married, but uh, Chitose couldn't conceive. Um, yeah. And she really wanted kids. So Ichiro builds her, builds her a kid. Uh, he builds her a Persicom. Freya. Freya. Freya looks identical to Chi. 
So like a 15 year old girl with white hair and yellow eyes. Cause that's normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And cat ears. And cat. Uh, well, yeah. Duh. 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 And he built her, I guess, to mimic as closely as possible with a persicum that cannot like physically grow and change to mimic as closely as possible um, how a human child would grow and change. Um, that's not stated explicitly, but the, the fact that her self-learning programming is advanced enough to be true AI, according to the... the as opposed to all that fake AI. Right. <laughs> according to, you know, the, the cyber mythology of this world, mm-hmm. um, she... She learns and emotionally and mentally grows um, and really loves her mom and her dad. That's where it uh-huh. gets bad. Yeah, I was like, mm, I'm waiting for the drop. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. So Freya literally is like, my dad is the person just for me. Yeah, she <laughs> literally falls in love with her dad. And... You know, it's partly because Persicums probably don't have that. They don't have a net. Like, they are a computer network and they can link to all the other Persicums, but they don't have, like, a network of people that they interact with like that, you know? Oh, that's not where I was going with that. I was like, oh, the really? societal okay. pressure to, like, oh, these things are taboo. Persicums don't have that. Right. Um, no. Yeah. But, yeah, also, that's- like, where would she have met other people? Like, Persicums... Yes. Persicoms, I think, do get really attached to the people they're with. Like, in in City With No People, like, you know, the Chi character says they're all inside with them, meaning the Persicoms. Yeah. So it's like everyone's and She's the only off. one on the street. Yeah. So uh, one of, like, the her, uh, Freya's parents, Ichiro and Chitose, notice that she's, like, having trouble um, emotionally, she's like sad. So they're like, um, okay, let's, let's build her a sister. Let's have another kid. Maybe it'll fix the problem. <laughs> so they build Elda who will become Chi, but Elda is just like completely the same as Freya, like physically. Yeah. So that, that's how Chi came to be, but it doesn't fix the problem because they don't realize that the problem is that she has fallen in love with her father and and won't act on it because she loves her mother and she's aware that those two they are the people just for each other Uh, and she's outside of that so she just like literally dies of heartbreak (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's a convoluted like she decides to die but she's like i'm gonna live inside of elda elda suggests it okay Elda's like, you can you can live inside me. And Freya's like, cool, I'll protect you from making the same mistakes, right? Which like that, I'll accept that from an or any intelligence thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also like, okay, this is the first, maybe it's not the first hint we see of Persicom's sort of making, like inventing relationships that can't exist between humans. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of fascinating if you think about it. Like they're doing a thing that only Persicoms can do. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's it's an emo- it's a bond of emotion, but it's certainly not a human one. No. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And then so like Elda requests that her memory be wiped. I think what happened is Persicoms can't have they they just are not equipped to handle two personalities at once oh, and right, all the right. inherent memory like everything that goes into that cuz that's super complex. Much. Um so it was too complex and she just like couldn't handle it and got rebooted. I don't know how then El uh, Freya is a conscious thing working inside of Chi later, but that's what happened. I guess after this hard restart, like the mind, I guess, that became Chi was used to that other presence being there and was able to grow, I don't know, pathways around it somehow. Mm. Yeah. So Freya does continue to live on inside of Chi. Yeah. And is trying to be like, is cautious, right? Like she's like, I don't think, like Freya doesn't think that humans can really be the one just for you, I think, <laughs> for, for a person to come. Yeah. Or at least that's, that was the vibe that I got for a while. Yeah, it's unclear if she doesn't think humans can be the one just for just for Chi or if like, you know, the first human you see who picks you up out of the trash. <laughs> That's a fair thing to think, yeah. Freya. Freya is God, it's so weird like watching like not watching, but like looking at Freya's expressions and seeing like actual like thinking expressions on Chi's face. Mm-hmm. So weird. And also it's like it shouldn't be weird. Chi should be a living thinking being with complex emotions, but she's not. No. <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> so I think Ichiro is the worst one in this manga. <laughs> and he's not even there. He's not even there. He's the worst uh... one in this manga though. Not even for anything that we've said so far. Like, okay, you made a computer to be a child who then fell in love with you. Like, I hang out with programmers. Like, I can see how they would make that mistake, you know? Like, <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'll accept it. You made a mistake. Ichiro does not understand humans too good. That's what I got out of Angelic Layer for sure. Yeah, I was um, like, we knew that already. Yeah, no. Yeah. He doesn't. No, you get that out of Angelic Layer though. Right. Not this. No, because he's not there. But I guess if you, you know, retroject the choices he made. <laughs> right. So the worst thing that he's done is what kind of dad, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of human being, <laughs> what kind of human being, what kind of anything is like, hey, you know what? I have a wife who can't have children, even though we really wanted to. And just like this is my child and you know what i'm gonna put the on switch in her vagina (laughs) even though i want them to have the capacity to understand love and like human love and it's just like what kind of sick bastard are you (laughs) i mean we did know that he was also that a sick bastard yeah okay (laughs) don't you he he was self-aware of that I, I think he actually played it up in Angelic Layer. He did. Yeah. Ichango Boom. <laughs> I hate this man. 
I think he's more hateable here in Chobits than in Angelic Lair. He is, and that's so funny. Because <laughs> he's literally dead. <laughs> <sighs> but all of the choices he has made, terrible, terrible choices. Bad choices. The only good one he made was marrying Chitose. And then, I mean, yeah. it's not and good she for is her. short-shrifted by the narrative. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, well, that leads us into Chi and Hideki. Oh, boy. So finally, we get to our main characters. Yeah, here are our main characters. <laughs> the ones that is actually told the perspective from. Yes, we have been with them this whole time and have said nothing about them. <laughs> yep. Except for calling Hideki a loser schmuck, which he is. He's a loser schmuck. Um, the narrative insists that he's like a super he's nice a guy. nice boy. And Ugh. like, he does get really invested he cares a lot about the people in his life Wh- whoever's right in front of him like he cares um mm-hmm. intensely he's a very yelly boy he actually yeah he is just every harem anime protagonist like mm-hmm. there is yep. nothing unique about him nope <laughs> um but like yeah he he's decent mm-hmm. as a as a person like he, wouldn't... he doesn't do anything too too reprehensible. Yeah. He's real obsessed with the sex in the beginning. Yeah. The porn. Yeah. And like some of it is like, okay, it's excusable because he's 19 or, or maybe not excusable, but understandable. He's 19 and he lives alone. <laughs> yeah. And he has like nothing else to entertain himself with. So like, fine. And then the other thing is like, oh, this was pitch like this the first volume of Chobits tries to present itself as, like, a sexy manga. So, like, yeah, of course he's obsessed with sex. Like, how else are you going to, you know... He has to look at the boobs for the viewers to see the boobs. Yeah. But I, I think that's actually really not what Chobits is about. No, I think it was... It was just a way to lure you in. In the same way that, you know, like, Fruits Basket is all like, oh, look at this, you hug a guy, and then he becomes a cute little animal. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> or like matching that rare. It's like, oh, we're on a fun magic adventure. Wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's one of them things. But she still has so much nipple detail in those early. Good God. So uncomfortable. And, and so uncomfortable. <laughs> she's meant, like, they state that she's meant to look like a 15 or 16 year old girl, which is uncomfortable enough. But then, like, the fact that she is so infant-like mm-hmm. throughout even. Like, she gets a little better as she learns a little more, but she never she never leaves Yeah, her line childhood. of questioning is still, like, this is an annoying child that you can't explain difficult concepts to, but they're going to ask you really annoying questions over and over again. Yeah. So just massively uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh. My petty point was that Hideki says he spent four hours looking for the on switch before, like, the only place I didn't check was the JJ. And so I'm like, does that mean he checked her butt? <laughs> I'm going to stoop to its level now. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I didn't think about that. I try not to think too much about this whole Scene, oh, see, I guess. I'm just like, oh, you want you want to go philosophical, do you? Well, you can't even answer the basic question of did he did he go in the butthole? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, logically, I guess he must have. <laughs> Great. 
I, I think maybe, you know, culturally the valence is different. Uh, you know, there were so many jokes in like, I can't really say early anime, but like when we... Oh, I know. Yeah. So many jokes about sticking leaks into people's buttholes, like... <laughs> Doing the finger thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The finger thing from Naruto. Yeah. 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 There's so much of that. And like, <laughs> okay, maybe it's less... Like, you know, for us, whoa, butthole is is next level. This may yeah. be a uh, previous level, you know? Yeah. High, higher level than the vajayjay. <laughs> you just want to say vajayjay. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't? You're a nice Catholic girl? I'm a nice Catholic girl. This has stolen my innocence. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. I didn't spend all week listening to Oxytocin <laughs> Billy Eilish oh <laughs> or listening to Hot Money about porn. I didn't do any of those things <laughs> or read this manga. Yeah. My innocence. My innocence <laughs> you didn't read this manga. I didn't read it. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about it really in depth. I'm just BSing my way through it. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm just like, where do we. <laughs> Like chi, the, yeah. Oh, many, okay. So chi is always a child, and you're like, yeah, Hideki is like her dad, but <laughs> no, now no, that's the problem no. we're avoiding. That's the problem we're avoiding by it being Hideki, and I'm like, are we though? Like, we're not. <laughs> I don't. I never got the dad vibe from Hideki towards chi, okay, but like I also, brother? you know, I knew that like. I mean, we knew, yeah. yeah. So there are many other... So a lot of the issues with Chi, I would say, are sexual in nature. Like, this is the question that it brings up repeatedly in different ways with Chi. So, like, you know, she pretty quickly is like, Nicky is the person for me. And it's like, of course he is. He's the only person you interact with. Right. <laughs> like, so, you know algorithms if again i like go back to the default of algorithms as artificial intelligence because i think that is the way that most of us currently like overtly interact with ai and i think that because persicums are there to please you like that is what an algorithm on spotify is meant to do you know like it's trying to just please you in the realm of music so you know i'm like okay so she picks up on, you know, Hideki's always like, I'm so poor, I'm so poor, I'm so poor. And I, I can't buy Chi in OS, I can't buy, I couldn't even buy a purse comma, pick this one up in the trash. She was like wrapped in bondage, kinky. Um, so, so that was like, the point. I know, it was the point. Of course it was the point. So, <laughs> so she's like, oh, if I help Hideki make money, he'll be happy. So she goes to get a job. She gets a job at, at a peep show initially because, you know, Hideki's apartment is littered with porn magazines. And she's like, can I be porn model too, basically? And he's like, don't do that. <laughs> Just like, but she does. So, you know, she gets exploited, gets kidnapped by this gross man. Okay, you know what? He's the second most gross man. Oh, my gosh. Ueda is really, like, climbing the ranks now, like, of, like, good men. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ueda's not that creepy. 
It's true. He's not that creepy. Yep. <laughs> so, so she gets kidnapped by a creeper. He like tries to finger her like in a sexual pleasure way, and she's just like, no. And then are we talking about Dragonfly? Yourself. Yeah. Or was it the no? The it was the show peep guy. show guy. Really, the peep no. show guy wanted her to finger herself, and he, she was like, "What?" And he tried to show her how to do it. Oh yeah. I don't think Dragonfly. Okay, so I I retract my statement. Then Ueda is still the worst. I, I don't man. know. I, Dragonfly. Dragonfly. Dragonfly is, is like a bat. Like he's, he's a, a bad... hacker for evil. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like Dragonfly is creepy because he well, actually <laughs> Dragonfly is creepy because he doesn't see Chi as a person, which actually like, Fair. but no, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, my friend. So I honestly have so many questions beyond even the like, what is the morality of having a non-human thing do sex work? Like, what is the morality of having a non-human thing that imitates being a human do work work? (laughs) (laughs) Any work. Like, I understand that we employ, we quote-unquote employ computers and robots all the time. And, like, we don't pay them. We're like, we built them. That's, like, their job. They don't don't know any better. Okay. I I checked. He he does try to... See, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he does. Though. He did. I forgot. Okay, so I I reinstate. All right, Ueda <laughs> goes back to third place. Yes, Ueda is going back to third place. So everybody's trying to finger Chi. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, you know, Chi getting paid money is kind of weird, actually. Mm-hmm. Chi Chi doing sex work. I'm like, you know. That seems okay. I mean, not for like chi in particular, because chi. <laughs> but like robots being sex work, I'm like that. That opens up a lot of other questions and problems. But I'm like, it maybe solves some too. <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I think I actually think it like for me, it's like slotting into my brain in the like same category as like like if if. If the porn, hentai, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Hentai will show, some hentai will have like underage characters, but they're fictional. Mm -hmm. Um, Does that, is that bad? Actual children are not being exploited, Mm -hmm. but the image of a child is. And I think that's where the Persicom uh, sex worker thing gets tricky for me. It's not about like the Persicom. It's about the people watching and what I guess sort of what the implications are around what is acceptable desire and yeah yeah because you know like she is meant to look like a 15 year old girl so like a 15 year old girl human is not being exploited yeah but it's that's that's why that's the issue that I think it like it's like it solves the problem of the exploitation of lots of humans. Does it though? Right, but then I think it creates horrible desires. In I don't know actual. that it creates horrible desires. It feeds them. That that I think that might be true. That that's my worry. Yeah, and what I think it does is it reinforces finding fifteen-year-old girls desirable. 
Yeah. Um, so like things that are problematic about that is like the way that, uh, you know, like Persicons are always young and beautiful and whatever. And particularly in the realm of like childlike, that's a problem. Um, yeah. When non-humans are doing sex work, does that then dehumanize, like, does that then promote people to think of sex workers in dehumanized ways mm. is my other main concern with that. Mm. Is it bestiality? No. <laughs> I'm just trolling it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've had, had long, long conversations about Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on the Hot Money podcast, they also go into like Visa and MasterCard apparently decide what is and is not bestiality. And I'm like, that's fascinating. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) This this episode is just an advertisement for Hot Money. It's true. And Clampcast. And Clampcast. (laughs) Oh, we can't wait for Clampcast to get to this one. Yeah, I'm like, I'm very excited for Clampcast to get to showbiz. And I know that's going to take like another year or two, but... (laughs) Can't wait. <laughs> oh yeah, so so you know, um that's complicated. For sure. So I think in the end what might disappoint both you and me is that like the ultimate question that is presented in Chobits is not whether it is like humans can love a persicom and a persicon can love a human. And whether that is morally okay, it is in fact whether you can love something that you cannot have penetrative sex with. Right? Like, <laughs> whatever. I, we've both been and multiple people. I, I ended up talking about Chobits on my social media a couple days ago, and like the oh, like the the strong, like the most common response to this question was like. I didn't see why it mattered. <laughs> like, yep. That's stupid. <laughs> of course you can love someone uh, that you can't have sex with or like any sex with, but particularly like, oh, this one type of penetrative sex, like whatever. Yeah. She has a butt. We just discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, so I actually think, that very young me probably thought this was a very cool question because very young me did not like that most. And like, honestly, I still don't like that. Most adult things are like about sex and drugs. And I'm just like, I really don't care. And I don't like when a human, like adult humans are always portrayed as being bad, like criminals and like icky and everything. Like I dislike it a lot. (laughs) And so I probably thought it was really cool that this highly, this, this thing that marketed itself as something super sexy in the end was like, but what if you can't, right? <laughs> I probably thought that was so cool as a child. And now I'm like, who cares? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, as a child, I was definitely like, well, not a child, but I was like, whatever, what's the problem here? So you don't, <laughs> you don't like, have sex. Big deal. So I'm still on that boat. No, I think it's far more my issues if in, in Hideki's shoes, I would be far more concerned with the fact that she is a child. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, much more concerning that, like, he's teaching her. Literally, she doesn't... She gets money for the first time, and she's like, 
is this money? And he's like, well, the money's inside this envelope. And she's like, what? Like, like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that's the big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what I do appreciate and what, what you've said you appreciate too, I think, is okay. like the message overall is, wow, isn't it great actually that humans can love and form empathetic bonds with anything? Yes. Like that's actually – fascinating and really cool and true we will bond with anything <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and there is actually something very beautiful about that i think that's why all these forbidden love things keep like especially in chobits like clamp overall has this but like that's why they're pushing so hard in chobits about these taboo relationships it's like no there is something beautiful about the fact that we can love no matter what. Yeah, like we are constraining ourselves too much when we have this like vast capacity for, for love, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I wouldn't even, I guess Clamp would say that. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily go there. I, I think it's beautiful that we can love so much. I don't necessarily want to push it like... Because there are complications, especially when it comes to power dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. That is far more interesting and also uplifting than this whole sex thing. Yeah. And like, again, it just feels like the wrong question that it's trying to get at here. Like, yeah. when, because Ichiro did this thought experiment for some reason. <laughs> and it's just like, Why? Because Clamp like, wanted to do the thought experiment. <laughs> yeah, but like, I feel like it's born from, kind of, from, you know, him and his wife couldn't have children. And it's just kind of like a more extreme step in in the line of like, what if you couldn't have a family? Like, what if you couldn't even have sex at all? Like, what's the point of having sex if not to procreate? You know, like, it's kind of like mm -hmm. intertwining those questions, I think. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, it's just like, well, yeah, but the sex part isn't the important part there. It is like what is kind of, you know, like it's fine for people to obviously love people who they can't make more humans with. Like, fine, I yeah. get it. But also <laughs> like you do like we don't want humans to disappear, presumably. Like, you know, like, yeah. like what is the balance? But that's not the question, you know? Like, that's not its fear. And that, that's, that's my problem with it. <laughs> yeah. That's legit. And I think that the point we were just talking about where it's like we think it's very beautiful that humans have the capacity to love basically anything and be really empathetic toward anything, I think it was somewhat undermined by the fact that, like, Ichiro put that, like, thing where he was like, I don't think humanity will ever accept loving the Persicoms. So the pers to protect the Persicoms, they will forget how to recognize individuals. Yeah. And I was like, but that's such a, that's just not how humans work. I think I don't put this past Ichiro. Um, <laughs> this in particular, like the, 
The on button sure. and the vagina thing, I'm just like, why? That doesn't actually make sense. But that misguided, I want to protect my daughters and I don't understand human beings. Like, I could see that. But from- that's also why he put the on button in the vagina, right? Like, he's like, nobody else. Like, it's like some weird, no man can have sex with my daughter thing. <laughs> like, I, I genuinely don't know. <laughs> Like I genuinely just don't understand. I this don't plot. understand it. Like, sure, maybe, but then, like, why are you putting your hands in there, Ichiro? Um, I mean, I, like you I had know- to do it at least once. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's okay. I think the only other thing that we should mention at this well no i guess we can do it after zima and dita so the coda as asher said <laughs> in an earlier conversation we had about this is between these two persicoms named zima and dita um they are like you know chi is like the ultimate persicom but they're like real close to they're that. real close they have a lot of the same capabilities as her but they like they weren't made by the inventor of persicoms but like they're the yeah. best you can get with money. Yeah, um, and they're employed by the government. Yeah, so Zima is actually the national data bank. So that might answer, I don't think it answers the question, but like maybe that's where all the Persicom memory data goes. Ah, no. <laughs> um, I actually think that is the implication. Like he knows everything that every Persicom knows, which is nuts. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> and D- uh, Dita is the Persicom that protects him. Um, that is Dita's job, period. And they they actually pretty much don't do anything. <laughs> right? So this is great. <laughs> They're just there. Um, Zima makes Dita take a nap for like four volumes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's great. They're just uh, sleeping. They're just chilling. They're just chilling on rooftops, <laughs> dressed in black. Having, having visors being yeah living so their like, matrix lives the point is that they know that she could just like destroy their current society like she's a security hazard and everything yeah so dita's like we have to go stop she and zima's like but what if we didn't yeah i think it's fascinating that those are that those that's what those two have like landed on though those are their opinions because like Dita's job is to protect Zima. So that makes sense. And mm-hmm. Zima has access to all the knowledge. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I want to see where this goes. I think with Chi's memory loss, I would say that Zima is actually the closest Persicom to human intelligence because he knows so much. And I think that's right. that is actually a really, really compelling and juicy um, statement about what makes intelligence and humanity is you, I guess you need all that knowledge in order to make the kind of analysis that a human brain does. Yeah. Like to yeah. accept the complications of a situation. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I, 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 the I more did. I see I, the I, less I, I know, the more I like to let it go is Zima right here. <laughs> I like I know I didn't have any strong feelings about these two when I read this as a young person. 
And now I'm like, Zima's my favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) He does nothing. He does nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Zero things. His whole thing is doing nothing. Yeah. He's like, what if we, and hear me out, Dita, what if we did nothing? (laughs) (laughs) And Dita's like, what if we didn't do that? (laughs) (sighs) He's like, I'm the more powerful one here, so shut up. (laughs) He is. Um, And he's the more vulnerable one. It's really tasty. Um, Yes. So... In terms of the love quandary that they present, it is can Persicoms love other Persicoms? Right. Because they were literally made for each other. Yeah. Um, and the answer seems to be yes. Yep. The love they share. I mean, they are obsessed with each other. There is definitely that. And I think, like, genuinely, they want, like, they want to be together. They want what's best for each other. It's honestly cute <laughs> it's problematic but it's honestly cute yeah we haven't addressed that um dita is only gendered once as she but we're like what's up for interpretation yeah yeah unclear zima is like very like you know standard clamp man um yeah. and i think he is gendered he's gendered way more often yeah dita is more on like a female clamp body model but doesn't have any boobs to speak of (laughs) um so it's it's unclear because like you know far be it from clamp to to show us a pretty boy right yeah (laughs) we need some queers in here yeah (laughs) and i mean far be it from clamp to give us a like canon non-binary character which they have also done so what an interesting coda from characters who did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and yet are so compelling. <laughs> and yet are so fun, yeah. All the fan fiction about them, really. <laughs> you can look for it. Okay. So I think there are two floating things that we did not address okay. in that whole walkthrough that I, I think we should still address here. Okay. And that will probably be the end, but we'll find out. So this is a very simple one, but we were like, what about boy Persicoms? <laughs> because the only one that we see is Zima. Like, right. all, most of the background, like, there are some background male ones, but all the ones that we, and all the characters that we have named, all the ones that they interact with are female. There are other ones named, like, smaller ones, Plum and Kotoko. Um, obviously, Chi is the main one. <laughs> like, Yuzuki and Yumi. All female. So we're like... Yeah, well, it's easy for men to bang things with holes, you know? Like, that's... But how do you... What do you do women? How do you... How do you, how do you have sex with the male persicoms? <laughs> and, you know, that's... We're just shorthanding here. Like, obviously, you know, there are men without penises. There are women without vaginas. There are men who want to bang people without holes like whatever um we we this is whatever but we're like you know for the heteronormativity yes and the cisgenders (laughs) how does this happen (laughs) i just don't know yes so we did discuss this before this podcast and 
what I asked. It was late at night, I think, and I was tired. Asher's making excuses. I'm making excuses, cause, but I did think it was funny at the time. And you know, I stand by that. I think stand tired me is very funny. <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, if you want to bang a Persicom with a dick, <laughs> are they always going to be hard? Like, that seems... Do they have a hard on switch? Like, <laughs> do you literally turn them on? <laughs> literally turn them on. Do you literally turn them on? Um, so, I, I think probably. <laughs> probably, I think. Weren't you also like? Do they have like a program? Can you like? Do you have like a safe word you say for when? You- <laughs> uh, I don't think I said that. You just made that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you came up with that. Okay. Um, it's, it's a good awesome. idea though. <laughs> have safe sex with your person come. yeah the other really lewd thing that we were like we were like so you didn't even write this down i didn't even write it down but now i'm remembering <laughs> <laughs> the other really lewd thing we were like so how does this work you though? say we this was you <laughs> okay well filthy catholics we don't know because we we don't do the sex education right we're like i don't understand <laughs> so, it's like for female parasicoms, they don't have the insides of a human. But we definitely are assuming that may, men are just like banging those parasicoms. So we're like, where does the sperm go? <laughs> like, who, who cleans that up? <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> yes, Ashley has questions. My answer is that like... Oh no, this was the one where you were like, I think... That they would have a setting, like they would learn whether <laughs> you were like they would learn whether um, <laughs> the the human wants to clean them out, whether yeah. they have to do it themselves. I I was like, there probably is like a menu setting that you can yeah. like preferences. <laughs> preferences. <laughs> would you like me to clean up the sperm? <laughs> would you like? <laughs> okay. The only other thing is less lewd. <laughs> yes. Far less lewd. So. Nisabia at the end, like literally five pages from the end, tells Hideki that the Persicoms were purposely built to not be bound by the laws of robotics. And the laws of robotics are a robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. And I'm like, well, it's a good thing all these persicoms are just like, we just want to love everybody heart. <laughs> and not like, we're going to murder these awful <laughs> humans. I love... Because they have the capacity to do they that. They have the apparently. capacity to hurt people. I love that for them. <laughs> I love that for the Persicoms. I love that for the Persicoms. I love that Ichiro went out of his way to make sure that they Ichiro could do would, that. though. He yeah, would he would. That. Of course he would. Yeah, of course he would. I'm also like, how much of the angelic layer system went into making Persicoms? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you don't think that people are battling their Persicoms, like, you're wrong. <laughs> Battlebots definitely your- exists in Showbits. <laughs> Battling your Persicoms is the new dog fighting. It's certainly the new battle bots. <laughs> the new battle bots. Yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the new angelic layer. 
<laughs> the new angelic layer. Yeah. Oh, God. It would just be like cute 15-year-old girls like mud wrestling naked. What are you talking about? I don't think it would. <laughs> really? No. I think we'd get some scary looking persicons because people would go like maybe it would start as like, you know, these cute, slightly modified persicoms, you know, whatever. But like uh-huh. people would get into it. You'd have, you know, Chobits, Jameson Go <laughs> making saw blades. <laughs> saw blades. <laughs> <laughs> Tombstone. <laughs> God. Yeah. Witch doctor, bring me witch doctor. <laughs> witch doctor would be a very attractive persicom. Yes. Oh my God. Didn't somebody do that on Reddit? Like make all the yeah battle bots. Yeah, you showed me that. Yeah. I have to find. I mean, that. there weren't persicoms, but like, yeah, somebody. But made I mean, that's the- how that's how we get there. Yeah, somebody <laughs> made Gajinka of all battle bots. bots. <laughs> I love it. Love to see it. Yeah. So really. What we're saying is this society is about to get everybody murdered. Yeah. There's no way that anything online is safe. Nothing digital oh, yeah. is safe. The cyber, cybersecurity is terrible. <laughs> cybersecurity doesn't exist. Privacy no longer exists. Physical security no longer exists because your computers are walking around. Yeah. Um, and can hurt you. And hurt you. <laughs> You can program a persicom to to be a cat burglar. Like she can like jump like a ninja. Yeah, I have definitely been playing with this in roleplay AU's. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I'm taking this to his logical conclusion. I have an assassin persicom now. Okay, but see, here's here's the thing for me. If this was taken to its logical conclusion, where the robots can kill some humans. Like, I don't think they're all going to just like, it's not like the robot uprising that I'm imagining, right? It's just like a Persicom, like a couple Persicoms kill a couple humans. But I think that's what would turn humans away from Persicoms. Probably. Yeah. And like, I think they would be able to shut that down. There just wouldn't be Persicoms anymore. And then the world is saved. And then the world is saved, yeah. The end. The end until the Persicons like find the junkyard of all the Persicon like <laughs> and like revive one and then 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 we get the robot uprising. Yes, yes. So that's what happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then the world is ended. The end. Thanks to the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> yeah. So that that's what it is for me. Is that like people have the infinite capacity to empathize with something that's not human. And, like, they'll like it, but as soon as it turns, you know, like, starts to present bad things, we'd be like, oh, no, no. Like, we have to do something about that, you know? <laughs> Are there any final thoughts? I think we have exhausted we our did. current knowledge of Chobits. We did good. <laughs> we did good. We did good. Well, we think we did good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what matters. That's all that really matters. Yeah, we don't care about who listens to this podcast. <laughs> Spoilers, Ashley cares. I don't care that much. <laughs> if I did, I would like be trying much harder, I feel. Yo. <laughs> I'd be trying much harder to like get people to listen to it. I don't care. But you know, thank you to those who did listen to this episode of Shadow Intel. Um if you have comments, questions, constructive criticism, or concerns, 
or need to tell us about how we were very wrong about artificial intelligence, because that's a possibility, <laughs> email shoujointel at gmail.com or leave a comment on the episode's YouTube page. We're at shoujointel on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Asher, can people find you on the internet? No. Not currently, really. No. Asher is... We are concerned about the cybersecurity <laughs> issues that our current society brings us, so we're just like, yeah, how about that? <laughs> are you excited every time you see a new episode from us? If so, please consider leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. This will help the show reach more hearts, or at least ears. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time for maybe Absolute Boyfriend. Me, me and Asher are like, we're definitely going to read that as our next thing that we do together to compare it to Chobits because those are two contemporary, like they were pretty contemporary to each other. What, what Absolute Boyfriend came out in like 2005 when I looked it up. Um, they're both from, so they're both series about humans loving humanoid robots. And they're both from really big name shoujo artists. So we're like, okay. Um, but I've also got in the works a episode about Marmalade Boy, who I would do with Lucy from the Clampcast podcast. So that might be coming out next. I don't know. One of those two. Uh, or a surprise. Who knows? I don't know how to plan. Anyway. <laughs> Hope you'll stay tuned. Until then. Bye. Bye. Robots activate. Robots activate. You're much better at it than I am. <laughs>